Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Good words for us today. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ on one day told the Pharisees and scribes, You search the Scriptures diligently, thinking you'll find eternal life. But they are the Scriptures that speak about me. As we gather in, in our classes, in our worship service, as we sing the songs, as we teach, whether we are reflecting from the Old Testament, the New Testament, the Gospels, the Epistles, the books of history, the prophets, Revelation, uh, wherever we are, as we gather, we are speaking of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why Timothy was told by the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 8, Remember Jesus Christ. So we've come today to remember Jesus Christ, and thank you so much for that song. Remind us that he is the focus of why we are here today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we open your word, we pray that we will continue to worship through your word this morning. May our hearts be open to your word and sensitive. And Lord, if there be a person here today who has never received Jesus Christ as their Savior and received forgiveness for sins, may you open their heart today to the gospel, the good news of salvation through Christ. In his name we have gathered today and we pray these things. Amen. Occasionally when uh, we go out of town, uh, last minute thought, uh, if you have any valuables in your house, you know, sometimes you uh, hide them or put them away. You know, you, mean, you got a few credit cards you're not going to bring on your trip, you know, to Southeast Asia or something. And so you put them somewhere. And if, if, if you're listening to the podcast this morning, uh, don't bother breaking in my house. There's nothing there worth, worth, worth the trouble. But uh, <laughs> you got to be careful what you say now because it's all the Internet, you know. Um, but, you know, sometimes I've had this, I don't know about you, but I've had the occasion where I've actually hid some things so well that when I come home, oh, well, I didn't need that credit card anyway. <laughs> um, a lot of times you, you put, obviously you put things in the most uh, uh, unobvious places, or so you think. I'm assuming that professional burglars think that way too. But uh, some of the things we hide, I'm looking at this beautiful pot these flowers are in this morning so we're going to be talking about uh, pots and this is a beautiful vase this morning um, I have we have vases at our house that are beautiful some are old uh, and then we have clay pots we have uh, the fiber type pots that come with the flowers that you just throw away there are beautiful vessels and there are vessels that are not so valuable um, this morning uh, I was thinking about let me put the slide up there Mike of the the Dead Sea Scrolls, you, you might be familiar a little bit with the history of the Dead Sea Scrolls, but on that picture in the, in the back there uh, are the actual caves of Qumran where they found these scrolls. And they came out of clay pots they, because it, 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 part of the, the thinking may have been that with the Romans coming and uh, danger and destruction, they put those in the most unobvious, stuck them in old clay pots that were not beautiful, they were just common as could be, hid them, put them in the ground, put them in caves, and uh, hoping to preserve these valuable scriptures. And these valuable scriptures were, of course, then found last century and have become very valuable to us. They are valuable. Where do you put your valuables? Where are your valuables right now? 
The ones that you can't bring to church with you, the ones you can't bring to work. Thanks, Mike. The ones you can't bring to work, the ones you can't carry with you. Where do you keep your valuables? Where are they right now? They're in places where you think they're safe and secure. And sometimes we put them in places that it will not be obvious that that's where they are. And we're going to talk about that this morning as we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'd like to ask you to open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And just to remind you that uh, this last uh, spring and the summer we have been preaching from sections from our daily New Testament readings. The emphasis this year with the Grace Gospel Fellowship has been to read, know, and live the Bible. And that's going to be our theme as we gather in, uh, this coming week for our conference. And you're all invited, as Pastor Gary said this morning. Uh, next Sunday, please don't stay home from church because you think, well, it's a conference and I didn't sign up. No, it's also our church service. And we want you to be here and uh, join us. And uh, throughout, if you want to come Thursday and Friday, you can register at the door and join us as well. We hope you'll come because each, each night, each day, there'll be messages um, reflecting on the importance of God's Word in our lives. And so we have been reading through the New Testament, encouraging you to read through the New Testament together. There are reading plans in the back there. They're on a yellow piece of paper that you can take home. And this past week, one of our passages was 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception. Nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the true truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And I would like to add to this, this opening verses, verse 5. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. The Apostle Paul, if you read his epistles, and you kind of, I want to say, read between the lines a little bit. And I want to be careful with that, of course, because you, you, know, you can get carried away with that. But if you read his epistles and you read the book of Acts and you think about sort of the bigger picture, uh, what does emerge is that one of the things the Apostle Paul faced was a lot of criticism, even within the church or within you know, his own Jewish community and in the early Christian church, a lot of criticism that he was not a, a true apostle or he was not as an important as apostle. We see this in Corinthians where he, where he says uh, at the Corinthian church that some of you say, I'm of Paul, some of Cephas, some of Apollos. Uh, who, we are all just working together. And there apparently were those who criticized Paul and said his, his ministry was not really valid. He is not really as important as the others. In fact, there were those who criticized the Apostle Paul for, saying, for, te- for telling that he was in this for the money. He was in this uh, for his own personal gain, for his own, his own personal advancement. Uh, you know, in, in, chapter, in chapter 2, if you look at the very last verse of chapter 2, look right across your page in verse 17. Paul says, unlike so many, so he's, he's talking to people in the church, unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity like men sent from God. So here you see, Paul says, for those of you who, who think we're doing this 
to make money to advance ourselves, we want you to know that's not why we're doing this. So Paul was criticized. And so what Paul is saying here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, as he writes to this church at Corinth, what he is saying is, we are preaching the Word of God as God has given to us. We are not, we are not worried about what people think about us. We're not, we're not trying to make money. We're not doing this deceptively. We are giving to you what God has given to us and, and entrusted to us and asked us to preach and to teach to you. We are setting forth plainly before you Jesus Christ, as our worship team sang this morning, to, to give us Jesus. And Paul set before them the Lord Jesus Christ, crucified, buried, risen from the dead, ascended to the Father, payment for our sins, to his fellow Jews a stumbling block, to the Greeks foolishness, foolishness to talk about rising from the dead, ridiculous. And, and both sides, Paul is criticized. But Paul says here in chapter 4, verse 2, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We are not part of those who are doing this for money. And of course, that goes on today. We know there are charlatans and peddlers of the gospel even today who are living well beyond any means they should be off people's donations to the gospel. And that's not right. And Paul says, we, we don't do that. We renounce these things. And we don't use deception. We're not tricking anybody. And we don't distort the Word of God, but we set it forth plainly and truthfully as God has given to us. And I want to remind you this morning that our call as believers in Jesus Christ and our commission, our call as a church, my call as a pastor, Pastor Gary and Pastor Kevin, Susie is our Christian education director, those, the elders in our church, the leaders and the teachers, our call is to bring God's Word as it is, not, not just my opinion. You have your opinions, I have my opinions. But we are here to bring God's Word and to teach it as God has given, as best we understand and can interpret it and, uh, and put it together, to teach what God has given us. Some of the things that God has in His words are not popular today. They do not sell well. And there's a temptation to preach and teach only what sells well, only what will, 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 will increase ourselves. There are things in the Bible that are very appealing. We preach the whole Word of God, and this is our call, and this is our commission, and this was Paul's call as an apostle. And he says clearly, Corinthians, I don't care what people are saying, I don't care what you're hearing, we are teaching the Word of God as we have been given it. We renounce shameful ways. We are not doing this for money. In fact, he tells them, I, as we looked at a couple weeks ago, I should be supported by you, but I'm not going to even take anything from you because I don't want there even to be a hint by anybody that I'm doing this for the money. We are preaching what God has given us. And we give the Lord thanks. And we'll, as we see later on in this passage, I would like you to read this on your own today, but maybe, maybe at the end of the service we'll just read this. But you can see where Paul talks about everything he went through, all the persecutions, all the beatings, every place he went. Read the book of Acts. We, we studied it together last year. Every place he went, what happened? Riots, jail, being thrown out, confusion, turmoil, arresting. Every place he went. Every day he woke up, it was a new story of what, what this new persecution. Why? Because he was preaching and teaching the Word of God as it had been given to him. 
and he didn't distort it to people's taste, to what they wanted to hear. Now we say that because as we go on here, we're going to read something that is, that is not popular. This is, this, this, is a, this is a challenging passage and a challenging thought for people, maybe for you, but certainly for our culture today. And I want you to look at verse 3. And Paul says this, And even if our gospel is veiled or hid, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Now there's a lot in that section there, isn't there? It's a lot of things to think about. A lot of things that some would find quite disturbing and controversial. But it's the Word of God. I didn't write this. Our church didn't write this. The Apostle Paul was given this by revelation from God. Now, you know, in the past when I have read this passage, and I, and I, enjoy, um, I enjoy the privilege of, of having time to study during the week, to prepare messages, whether it's a sermon or a Sunday school class or Sunday night, whatever, because I learn, I learn new things. And uh, isn't that, it's, it's, it's great. I mean, I just, I love uh, being a pastor and having the opportunity to, the privilege to do this. And you know, in the past, when I've read this passage, maybe like you, the first inclination with this passage, where, where Paul says, I think the King James uses the word hid. Is that true? Yes, thank you. That when Paul says, and I grew up with this, if our gospel is hid or hidden, it is hidden to those who are perishing. And my first thought and my first inclination is that this is an admonition to us, to me, to the Corinthians, to be careful not to hide our gospel. Because, you know, hide it under a bushel what? Oh, wow. My goodness. (laughs) I'm going to let it shine. We have to sing that. You like that song, huh, there, uh, Rich? (laughs) Yeah, right. Okay. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Let my light shine. And, and this idea that maybe what Paul is saying here is, if I choose to hide the gospel, if I put it under a bushel or under a cover, that I'm hiding it from those who are perishing. Now that certainly is true. And that principle is true, that we should be concerned about that. And that as we live our lives, and each day as we have opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, as God opens doors for us to share, and we make a choice, and we choose to back away and say, no, this could be offensive. This, this might be misunderstood. I'm not, I'm not going to say this. I'm not going to. Uh, maybe someone directly asks you and, you and you pull back and sort of muddle it and so forth. And, it's, and we all have that temptation that this is what Paul is talking about. That is true. We should not do that. But I want to suggest to you that what Paul is saying in this context is something a little different. You see, I think what is happening here is that the criticism that Paul is receiving if you read the, the bigger context of the epistles in the book of Acts, and especially in Corinthians, I think what might be going on here is that people are accusing Paul, other leaders, other, others who oppose him, and saying, well, listen, Paul, if your gospel is so true, if this is what God has given you to teach us, why isn't everybody accepting it? Why is it that every place you go and open your mouth and preach about the grace of God, when you open your mouth and preach what God is doing today in this dispensation, this age of the church, the body of Christ, that we're saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ, and that it doesn't matter if you keep the Jewish law, 
It doesn't matter if you come from a pagan background. You are all accepted equally through simple faith in Jesus Christ, His blood atonement for your sins, by receiving His payment for your sin and acknowledging your need for sin. And that God is inviting all Jew and Gentile to come together today and to be this new people of God. If this is so obvious, if this is so clear, then why every place you go is there trouble? Why do you keep getting arrested? Why do you get stoned and left for dead? Why do you get thrown in? Why have you been whipped multiple times with 49 lashes? Why is this so, why is this so upsetting to your fellow Jews who, who, who find this very offensive for you to teach that people can come completely apart from the Jewish law and waltz in here and receive Christ freely and not keep the law? Why is this so offensive to the Gentiles who are laughing at you and scorning you because this idea of the resurrection from the dead, it's foolishness. They're calling you a fool. Paul, if this is so clear, then why is everybody against what you are preaching? And I think this is the reason Paul says, if or since our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing because the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Paul's answer is yes. It is offensive. It is ridiculous. It is opposed. It is, it is hard to get up every morning and wonder where I'm, what jail I'm going to spend the night in tonight. How many times am I going to be whipped? Who's going to laugh at me? Who's going to beat me? Who's going to run me out of town? But it's because the God of this world, who I think in this context we, we have to understand clearly is who? Huh? It's Satan. The Bible teaches that Satan is a real personal being. It is not a force. It is not just a name for evil. There is a real personal Satan, a fallen angel, if you will, who is opposed to everything God does. And there are those, we see them in the Bible, demons, those who work with him to oppose everything God is doing. And Paul says, yes, I know that it's veiled. I know that people are blinded to this. They can't see it. And the reason is, it's not because I'm hiding it. It's not because what I'm teaching is false or ludicrous or anything else. It's because the God of this world has blinded their eyes so they cannot see the light of the gospel. This is a huge theme in the scriptures. Light and darkness. Sight and blindness. It's a huge... Remember what happened to the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus? When he was saved, what happened? He was blinded. And he went to Ananias and he received his sight back and was given his commission. The Lord Jesus Christ, in his, how many times in his, in his ministry did he, did he give sight to the blind? So the message here, friends, and this is not popular, but this is in the Bible. And God has given this, and this is truth. The message is this. Satan has blinded the eyes of unbelievers lest they see the hope of the gospel. And if our message is veiled, it's because of this. It's not because Paul wasn't doing his job. It's not because it was ridiculous. It's because he's up against spiritual warfare where their minds have been blinded. I've been thinking about this, you know, this week, and there's so many illustrations of this. Let me, I was thinking about the, the, the spectrum of electromagnetic waves. This is outside my area of expertise, okay? There are some of you here who this is your, you're much better at this. But you know, I was thinking about this. Because I, I read some of this sometimes. And you know, our, the visible light, everything that we see has to do with the, the, with the, with the waves of radiation. This spectrum here, 
this spectrum of light is this little little bit right here. When you think of all the electromagnetic waves, and there's issues of you know whether light is a particle or light is a wave. I'll leave that for you physicists to, to argue about and debate, okay? But the point is, this world is full of gamma rays, x-rays, ultraviolet rays, infrared rays, radar, FM, TV, shortwave, AM. This must have been done before cellular phones were popular. Um, there is this huge spectrum of of, of, of waves and, and th- thanks, Mike. Right now in this auditorium, words are passing through this building. They might be passing through me. The Mariner pregame show might be going right through me right now. You know? <laughs> there are pictures that if I went next door to Gary's house and turn, you have a TV, Gary? Okay. Turn on his TV. Is it a nice TV, Gary? That's okay. All right. And I turn on his TV. And there'll be a picture. Those waves are going right through here. You know, I could, I was going to bring my transistor radio this morning, but I wouldn't want young people to think I'm really out of date here, so I'll, I'll do it on my, on my cell phone. You recognize that? Glenn Gold, Mozart, I am old. Okay, so, but there, the phone hears it. I don't, do you hear it right now? They're here, do you hear it? There are, there's music, there's pictures, there's all sorts of stuff going right through our building right now. All I see, and I'll have to leave Dr. Mohandasan explain this with my eyes, all I see is this visible spectrum of light. This other stuff's all here. But when something is designed to, to catch it and to pick it up, all of a sudden we hear it and we see it when it's translated into, into a medium that, that we can see with our spectrum of light. And I thought about that with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's there. It's true. It's so obvious. But people are blinded to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because the God of this world, Satan, has purposely blinded their eyes to the good news of salvation. I also think about this when I know my human tendency is when people oppose the gospel, when they oppose what we're trying to do is trying to, we're trying to preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're trying to help people. We're trying to help people understand and, and, and come to new life and forgiveness for sins and salvation. It's good. It's called good news. There's a reason for that. But when people oppose it, when people choose lifestyles that are opposed to scripture, when, when people do things to harm, when I, when I read of, of those who, who are harming Christians, you know, there are, there are churches and there are believers today who are being killed and churches burned and so on. It doesn't seem fair. And I have to, and when, I get, when I get angry about that, when I get angry about that, when I get upset, I must remember, I have to remember, they have been blinded to the good news of salvation. And I have to ask myself, where would I be today? if it hadn't been for God's grace in bringing me to salvation? What would, I, what would be my opinions today? What might be my lifestyle? What would I be like? And I think it's good for us to be reminded when God calls us, and, and we throw this out sometimes, to, to hate the sin, but to love the sinner. And that seems so trite and so simple, but it is so true. Isn't it? 
Look at our Lord Jesus Christ. Did he hate sin? Did he condone people stealing from others? Did he condone greed? Did he condone the woman at the well with her multiple husbands? And yet, what was he criticized for? Well, look at him. If he, this, you know, Paul, if your message is so clear, why, isn't people, why aren't people believing it? If, this, if Jesus is the Messiah, then he would know better than go to that house. He knows better than to go with tax collectors. He knows better than to let a prostitute wash his feet. He knows better than that. Blinded to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's in the Bible. Whether it's popular or not, it's true. It's true. But look at the next verse. We read verse 5. We don't preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ. Give me Jesus. Thank you. That was a beautiful song, wasn't it? Wasn't that a beautiful song? Give me Jesus. And Paul says, no. We preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ our Lord. And this, and this should be the heart of every servant, every pastor, every minister. Some of you guys here, if God calls you in the pastoral work in the ministry, and I hope he does, don't ever forget this. We are servants for Jesus' sake. We are servants for Jesus' sake. Look at this next verse. Now I want you, I want you to think big this morning. I know some of you, some of you don't have as much Bible background, and that, that's the wonderful thing when we gather on Sundays. Some of you have, 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 I know the scriptures better than I do. You've been in it longer. Some of you are new to this. But I want you to think big for a minute. I want you to think of the entire Bible for these next couple verses. And I want you to think of the connections, especially in Paul's Jewish world, those who are really familiar with the Bible. I want you to think about connections to other biblical concepts. Look what Paul says in verse 6. For God, who said... Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. This same God who said, let light shine out of darkness. What is the connection? What's the big connection with the rest of the Bible? Huh? Genesis 1-1, look at there, look at, and you can find it, it's easy, it's the very first page in your Bible after, after the index and stuff. Genesis 1-1, look at it. In the beginning, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness, darkness. We're talking about the light of the gospel, we're talking about being able to see and being darkened by blindness. And this big theme, it starts at the very beginning. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. It's a, it's a, it, if I could take you into the Hebrew language here, this is a frightening concept. It's, it's frightening. Darkness is over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Spirit of God. Notice that the Spirit of God was hovering. I think, I don't know if the King James or some of the old English said brooding. I think the old brooding over this darkness and this frightening situation. And God said what? Huh? Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light was 
good. And he separated the light from darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And we go into a whole other study about you know, the planets and so on coming later on with, the, with what we know of our light and dark. But right at the very beginning, this light and darkness, it's the Holy the Spirit, I believe the Holy Spirit, hovering over the face of the deep. And God says, let there be light. And light exploded and there was light and God saw it and it was great. It was good because God is light and no darkness dwells in Him. And the Apostle Paul says, this same God in Corinthians, this same God who announced, let the light shine out of darkness. What has He done? He has made His light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Listen, friends, whenever you became a believer in Jesus Christ, uh, my wife shared her story of the Fidelia class this morning. And she talked about, you know, we all have a story. And some of your stories are quite dramatic. Some might be quite recent. Some of our stories go way back to when we were little children. But you have a story. And at some point in your life, if you're here today and you claim to be a Christian, there was a point in your life at which you passed from darkness to light. And what happened? What happened to you? How did that take place? Were you so smart that you figured it out? Were you the only one in your neighborhood who was really looking for God? Or did the Holy Spirit, I don't, I don't care what your view on on predestination, election, you know, that's, that's a whole other study. But I think we all can agree, in order for a person to open their heart to the gospel, the Holy Spirit has to come and give you the light to understand and allow you to receive Christ as Savior. The Holy Spirit, just as the Holy Spirit hovered over the deep, and God said, let there be light. Paul is telling us here, that the Holy Spirit enlightened you to the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And you receive the Lord as your Savior. Why? Because God broke through that spiritual blindness that Satan has put across the eyes of all who don't believe. And God has broken through and allowed you to see the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's our hope. This is a big picture, a big theme in the Bible. And look what he says. To give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. I want to encourage you today, if, you, if you're not reading the New Testament with us, if you go back and read chapter 3 and read it carefully. Because in chapter 3 you're going to read where Paul talks about Moses, who went up the mountain. And, he, and he, our, our Bible study group, Saturday morning, we were talking about this. He went up the mountain and he, and he met with God. And he came down, his light was, his face was so bright of radiance reflecting God's light. The Shekinah glory, the presence of God that the Jews, they said, Moses, we can't cover your face, we can't see. And he covered his face. It also says in here, he covered his face so they wouldn't see it going away. It's an interesting, interesting chapter. You should read chapter three. But this idea that Paul says in chapter three, even to this day, my people, my people, their eyes are blinded. They are veiled until it is taken away by Jesus Christ. This is a big theme in the Bible, friends. Now, 
So this morning we'll be learned. We've learned that our responsibility, my responsibility, and I appreciate you giving me this privilege in this church, and I appreciate you supporting our commitment to, to preaching the Word of God. It's good to have, we have visitors with us today, and we have uh, Sharon Amundsen's brother, Mel. Mel Davis. Mel, right? What's your wife's name? Patty? Okay. Uh, Mel and Patty are missionaries to Slovenia. And they're leaving tomorrow to head back that way. They were home for graduations. And, and, and it's a privilege to have them with us today. Uh, and, and pray for them. We pray for our missionaries and our mission work around the world. Because, because God tells us, whether it's in Seattle, Slovenia, Southeast Asia, Africa, Michigan, Florida, it doesn't matter. We are called to hold forth the word of life. Yes, with kindness. Yes, with compassion. Yes, with sincerity. Look at Paul's life. Look at the apostles. Look at all of them, Peter and James and the, and the, and the, and the sacrifices, the martyrdoms they went through, the love they had. But we are called to hold it out clearly and to teach what God has given us, whether it's popular or not. In every culture, in every country, it's God's word. And we have learned today that Satan is the one responsible for blinding the eyes to the good news of salvation. And if people don't respond to our gospel, if people don't respond to your kindness and compassion and your message of hope through Jesus Christ, that why wouldn't you want this message? Remember, the Holy Spirit has to open their eyes to the gospel. That's God's job. I'm glad it's God's job. Because if it was my job or your job, it would never happen. How am I going to stand against Satan and, and take those blinders away? But God can do it. And God will do it. Our job is to be faithful and to preach, to teach, to share Jesus Christ, whether it's through service projects at our conference this week, whether it's in the office, in your neighborhood, in your family, your school, wherever it is, our responsibility is to hold forth the word of life. And the third thing that we see here today is that it's because the Holy Spirit, as he brooded over the face of the deep and the waters, and light exploded into God's creation, that the Holy Spirit will come upon the heart and that light can explode so all of a sudden the gospel is understood and people can pass from death to life. I'm going to close with this. We read this verse earlier. We have this treasure. This is, isn't this great? Paul says, but we, we apostles, all of us as believers, us today, we have this treasure in jars of clay. It's a group called jars of clay, right? It's a good name for a group. To show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. You know, uh, Clay jars were so common in the old world. It's one of the, it is one of the most significant archaeological finds for people that go on volunteer digs. Uh, even today, just average people like us go there and start digging. It's pieces of clay pots you generally find. Inscriptions. Uh, because this was so common. They were everywhere. And they were, and they were just a, a huge part of their life. Everything just as... Um, uh, plastic bags used to be for us in Seattle. <laughs> I said, <"It's> kidding. 
we were at the grocery store here in Shoreline, and they and we said, oh, tomorrow, oh no, that's Seattle and Edmond. So there's a little window between Seattle and Edmond, so you can still get plastic bags. But, but you know, water bottles today. I mean, man alive, when I, I can remember, I never heard of a water bottle. And all over the world today, there's like plastic water bottles everywhere. It's so common. And clay pots were just as common a thing and they weren't expensive, they weren't valuable, and they break. They break easy. But what does the Bible say here? The Bible says this, God has purposely chosen to put this treasure. What's the treasure? The treasure is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Give me Jesus. Give them Jesus. Give us Jesus. He has purposely chosen to put it in weak, clay, fragile vessels that tend to break and crack. Copper ones don't break and don't crack. But they're a lot more expensive. And they're a lot more valuable. You know, if it had been up to me, I would have chosen the copper and gold pots. I would have chosen to have celebrities come in our service today that are Christians and, and stand up and, and, and give you and wow everybody, huh? It's, come on, let's face it. Isn't that, don't we like that? We're impressive. And there's a place for that. God, God uses them as well. But Paul tells the Corinthians, look around. Where are they? It's for the most part common cracked vessels like us that God has chosen. But there's a reason for it. So when all is said and done... It is God who gets the glory and not the gold vessel. And I want to close this morning with, I want you to remember this. This is the Apostle Paul. He's an apostle. And he's the first one to admit, I'm a broken vessel. You know, we have this tendency in our lives to think, because let's face it, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands this morning. But if there are any uncracked vessels in this audience, I would like to ask you. I'm not going to do that, though, because you, because you shouldn't raise your hand. I won't raise my hand. And we have this tendency to think, you know, when I get whole, when I become a perfect vessel and there's no more cracks or fragility in, in me, then I'm going to serve God and God's going to really use me. But the reality is, and the truth is, God wants to use you right now. Right now. I don't, you know, you might have a big crack right now. You might be struggling with a temptation. You might be discouraged, depressed. Uh, you might be having, you know, financial, relationship, health problems, and all sorts of things. You might feel like a shattered vessel right now. But think about it. A vessel that is whole and is covered does not give off any light. That's why God has chosen the weak things of this world. Because it's in our weakness that we can fully admit it's not me. If it were me, there would be no light. But it is God who is at work. That's what God wants from us. And I want to encourage you today, my friends. Yes, walk with God. Yes, repair those cracks. Yes, live a life that is pleasing to God. 
But don't wait. Serve God. Offer Him your life. He has called you as a clay jar for a reason. So that people will see Him and not you. I love what, I'll close with this, Harry Ironside, an old-time commentator uh, from last century. I like what he said. In order for light to shine out of a vessel, it has to be broken. The reason some never shine the light is they have never been broken or cracked. They have never been cast down before the Lord. God has called us. And friends, as I close the service today, if you're here today, and if your eyes have been blinded to the gospel of Jesus Christ, because of Satan's power, we have the hope of the gospel. And I pray right now the Holy Spirit would open your heart, that he would take the blinders off your eyes, and that you would see the truth of the gospel of this message. I want to give you Jesus today. Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, lived a perfect life without sin, yet suffered all the temptations. that Talk about clay vessels. He lived a fully human life without sin. Went to the cross of Calvary. He died and took God's punishment against me and against you. And what God asks of you is to acknowledge that, yes, you need salvation. You need forgiveness for sins. And you can turn to God right now and in your heart say yes to God. I wish to receive Christ's payment for my sin and receive him as my Savior. That is the simple message of the gospel. It doesn't matter what anybody says. That's the word of God. And I offer that to you today. I offer to give you Jesus Christ on God's behalf. God wants to give you eternal life and forgiveness for sins. There was a purchase necessary. Jesus Christ paid the price. The details are inside. But I've opened it up and shared with you today, and I ask you, receive Christ as Savior. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness to us, your love for us. Lord, we thank you for your kindness and your compassion to us, that you allowed us to see the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You opened our hearts to the gospel. And Lord, again, it doesn't matter what our view on election or predestination. We, Lord, we can all agree, without the work of the Holy Spirit, there would be no light and no salvation. And I pray today, Lord, if there be one person here who thinks they're going to receive salvation in eternity by being better than someone else and being good enough, the gospel clearly says, for by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone can boast. Yes, we are created unto good works that we should do them. But our salvation is a work of grace. Father, each one of us have people in our lives, neighbors, friends, relatives, maybe in our own closest family that we are praying for. And Lord, we do pray today and we will continue to pray 
that your Holy Spirit will hover over and open their eyes to the gospel. And may we be faithful in bringing that glorious message. In Christ our Savior's name we pray. Amen.